Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but prefer the classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final girl. everybody welcome to horror movie survival guide yeah i'm julia i'm terry and today we have the amazing michael Varati. yeah oh wow what an intro there yeah. was even a musical note there i like to sing your name it's yeah. a very musical name it's a gorgeous name hi welcome to horror movie survival guide well thank you i'm really excited to be here we're excited to have you here and talk about your awesome career and not to mention a movie as well um a movie as well but i'm really I know this is a horror movie podcast, but I'm very excited about this holiday movie situation. Oh, you're that just you going to jump right in. Right? I can't right. help can't myself. I honestly, I know. I was like, let's talk scary movies. Okay, hold on. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's my niche for sure. I'm one of those people who's probably, I actually have seen, I looked at your list and I was like, I've seen all of these because I'm that person too. My friends and I have a drinking game. Anytime we watch like scary, like not scary movies, but Christmas movies, which can oh, be scary for some people. What is the, what is the Christmas Anytime movie? you hear the magical sounds of Christmas, just take a sip of your bevy. So if it's a, like a xylophone twinkle? Yeah, they're like ding, 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 or like ding, ding, ding. Is that in every Christmas movie? Yeah. Okay. I don't know the tropes as well as I know the horror movie tropes. It's funny. Yes. The Christmas movies, what you're referring to is I have written or participated in a number of TV movies for networks like Ion, Lifetime, Hallmark. Yep. Uh, And what's interesting about that is I have often said in interviews, much to the chagrin, I think, of some of the producers, that uh, they too, in their way, are cult films because there is a whole community around them. Mm -hmm. Uh, People get very jazzed up. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's one of them. it's, It's really fun. I mean, I remember when I wrote the first one that I did. It's a movie called A Christmas Reunion with Denise Richards yes. and Patrick Muldoon. Very familiar. Uh, and um, when I first started working on that script, uh, my producer for that movie, uh, a man named Jeff Shank over at Hybrid LLC, Jeff said, just so you know, this movie will be seen by countless people and will play on TV long after you're dead, which is a very ominous thing for someone to tell you. Or, or, or kind of a cool thing. It is. It's, knowing a, that it's, it's immortality. This is your, part of your legacy is what he's letting you know. Well, what happens is these movies truly do become part of people's holiday traditions. Mm-hmm. And so when they find the ones they like, and there are many out there, but right. people attach themselves to different movies, just like horror fans do. Mm-hmm. So someone who saw a Christmas reunion the year at Aaron was like, I too love Cookies and Denise Richards. This yes. is my holiday film. Mm-hmm. They then rewatch it Every year. Yes. And I've done a handful of Christmas movies. Uh, and then I did a holiday horror uh, segment for the movie Death December, which Julia actually is in. I'm in it. Uh, I cannot wait. And uh, so that was cool to bring my world of horror and holiday films together. But oh, I had sure. actually not done a Christmas movie in a couple of years, even though I've done uh, I've written three. 
Um, but this year I did write a new one. Oh. And it is shooting in October. I can't say much about it. There is a prince involved. Because <gasps> um, the royal ones are killing it right now. Yeah, it's a big deal. Especially and Especially since Meghan Markle, it's been like a whole nother extra level. Yeah, we're shooting in Vancouver in October tentatively. If you which need any extras, I'm just going to put it out there now. Are you a local hire though? I will local hire for Vancouver. Mm. I have friends. <laughs> I will local hire anywhere in the world. I know someone almost everywhere. I'll just you put that do. out. I do. Well, <laughs> it will be an exercise in patience though because obviously we're shooting it in October which means it will not be ready for Christmas 2019 but oh, oh. boy Christmas 2020 you watch out Woo. so but uh, I love that. I, I, They'll play it in July, though, because that's what they're doing now. Oh, it's Christmas true. in July is a they whole thing They had now. a whole... I mean, Hallmark starts in July. They start the Christmas movies then, so... Can you tell me yeah. your, some of your favorite Christmas movies that we not know, may not know about? Because I got, like, you know, Wonderful Life. The Christmas hardest part about them is the names are not always the ones mm. you remember. You remember the plot of the one you love the most. Um, but I know the broadcasting one, the mm-hmm. broadcasting Christmas, which, like, was Dean Kane and whatnot, you were a part of, too, right? Yes. Uh, that movie uh, was Melissa. Joan Hart and Dean Cain mm-hmm. and uh, Broadcasting Christmas uh, is a unique circumstance. So that here's here's a, a quick exercise in how TV works uh, was actually an original story idea that I had. And I had written an initial draft of the script, um, but we were also in production of A Christmas in Vermont, which is another movie that I wrote that Chevy Chase, Howard Hesseman yes. and Morgan Fairchild were in. Do they all have Christmas in the title? Not all of them. Okay. Most, but of it them helps. most of them do. That's okay. why they're uh, hard to remember because okay. you got to be like the one that has this thing that happens because they all are something Christmas. Okay. And when we were doing Vermont, it was coming in short. So I had to write an extra scene, which I uh, ended up, it was a scene with Morgan Fairchild. Because if you can have more Morgan Fairchild, you always do. Do it. Yes. Uh, But so there was sort of this moment where I was not really able to focus on both. And they brought in this other writer, uh, Topher Payne, who's an amazing, amazing playwright from Atlanta, Georgia. I love him. Uh, And he he wrote the movie. So I have the story by credit because I came up with the idea and had kind of initially created the concept. But Topher wrote the script. And I think that in the world of TV writers, people would be like, oh, so you guys must be like at war with like each other. Enemies. No, but I love him. Like okay. Topher and I, we like whenever he's in town, we have pie. Like it's a very hallmark r- friendship. I it's love like pie. He's, he's the best. He's the best. And honestly, that movie, uh, you know, is it's holiday glory because of what he brought to it. So, so I know you have your own uh, incredible podcast, Dead for Filth, uh, which I got to be on a few weeks ago, which was amazing. Um, and you're over 80 episodes. You're really like cranking them out. And I learned so... stuff about Julia I didn't know by listening to that episode you did with her. Oh, so I'm just going to put that out there. So thank you. It was wonderful. So for our listeners, please listen to it if you have not yet. Get to find out more because we don't talk a lot about ourselves on our show. So it was really cool to hear some deeper stuff about yeah, you as well. Even guess... I've known you for 20 years. Yeah, good to know. Cool. So this, but yours is really about queer horror and you're bringing the whole uh, queer space into horror, which is great because I think that they're really uh, two taste great. They taste great together, right? It's Um, perfect. It has that started into the Christmas movie world yet. Has there started to be the like the queer Christmas crossover yet? Very little. Uh, Very little. I will say that wave, man. That's that's I do know that this year and I don't know how out wordly public they are about this. And I'm not involved particularly in these movies because I've been very busy as well uh, outside of Christmas. But I know that there was sort of an inquiry and a call to oh, take okay. that Hallmark model and and introduce queer storylines, which I think would be amazing. And We're I would love to see like that. the Netflix kind of like yeah. stories right now, right? That is jumping into that family now because Netflix is making their own kind of they took a lot of the Hallmark people and are doing their own stuff now oh, too. Oh, I see. It's a whole nother deal. Now where where gay characters have started to kind of like become more uh, a 
prominent and seen in the world of TV movies is more in the like the thrillers for Lifetime, of which I also write. Uh, I've written a handful of those. Uh, and it was one of those things where um, we we as characters kind of came in as like the gay best friend or right. whatever to start. And then it was sort of like, OK, but, you know, we can save the day, too. Yes. Word. Yeah. Heroes. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, incremental changes all across the board. But yes, uh, Dead for Filth, I really appreciate you coming and uh, sharing your stories. The The whole uh, idea of the intersection of horror and queerness was something that I've been very focused on in my career uh, since the very beginning. I wrote about it a lot. I would do public speaking on it. And then it just made sense in the world of podcasts to bring that to the airwaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just recorded um, episode... 88 with Jeanette Goldstein That's from amazing. Aliens and Nieder Dar. Uh, and we talked about the, you know, the sexual ambiguity of her character yes. from Aliens. And then uh, episodes 89, I've got uh, Jane Clark, who made a movie called Crazy Bitches. Uh, and episode 90, Carter Smith, who directed The Ruins. So, oh. yeah. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about Death Summer that, that we got to do together. So let's, um, you, Tiffany Sheppis is the star of the of the segment, and this is for an anthology horror with how many segments are in it altogether? I think ultimately now there are 26. Originally it was 24, but uh, wow. I think they expanded it out. For, they wanted was, an advent calendar? Yeah. Well, so the, plus a day? the entire uh, movie is structured as an advent calendar. So it's funny that, that you zeroed yeah. in on that. Because uh, I'm a Christmas movieaholic. Yeah. I'm going to get a 24, 25, 26 situation. <laughs> and so uh, every story... It, there's an animation that connects them all where it's an advent calendar and each door opens up and it will then go into the world of the story. And uh, they, uh, it is produced by German producers who had this idea and they thought, wouldn't it be cool if we uh, engaged filmmakers from all over the world to uh, create stories? And the stories had to be between two and five minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, And they had reached out to me. I was connected to them via Chelsea Stardust, uh, who's a dear friend of mine and an amazing filmmaker herself. And Chelsea was like, you should talk to Michael because he does horror and he does Christmas. And I think that it would be fun to like kind of bring those things together Mm -hmm. uh and they got in touch with me and i can give a little bit of uh, a brief synopsis of what it's what my segment's about without ruining the surprise but they said they were like well because you do christmas and horror stuff is there something that you've always wanted to see and i was like well honestly uh when i think of christmas horror obviously there are killer santa clauses and krampus and all of these things that we see time and again and i love those things but for me what i find truly terrifying about the holidays is uh shopping uh and the idea of commerce and greed and Mm -hmm. like just how people treat each other and so i i had worked at a mall in um in college and the the holidays were a particularly trying time and i think the kind of uh ptsd of that experience Uh oh yeah i worked retail so you know holidays oh yeah and so i had the idea of a story about a uh, woman who goes to return a gift that she bought for her son because something in the interim has come out that is newer and better and the kid needs it the kid needs it Mm -hmm. and she wants to return it but the clerk at the counter won't let her give it back without the receipt. And it devolves into uh, crazy violence. And the idea is that um, I wanted to make 
the end, the third act of War of the Roses at a department store. <laughs> and, and I feel like we achieved it. That and is I'm a very perfect, happy. Perfect, like, log line or whatever. That is right on. That sounds great. So I get to be the, the nice mother that gets shoved out of the way uh, by Tiffany. Yeah, you, you were one of the good, the good ones in it. Yeah. There are only a couple, like, nice people in the script, and you are one of them. Hey. Uh, All right. And then, uh, yeah, Tiffany. Tiffany is the uh, Hell on Wheels mom. And then uh, Ryan Fisher, who I had directed before. Uh, as uh, he is part of a troupe called The Enemies of Dorothy that focuses on queer comedy. Uh, he plays the clerk. And Jeffrey Reddick, creator of Final Destination, is uh, a street Santa who's trying to collect money for uh, <laughs> charity who runs afoul of them both. So. I, I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited. That, and it was not only cool that I got to work with you and get directed by you, which is bitching, but also get to be reunited with Miss Tiffany Shepas, who uh, I worked with in Delta Delta Die yes. as uh, cannibalistic sorority girls. So it. It, all, it all comes back so around. So many worlds. See, yeah. um, keep doing what you're doing. And this is us coming back around as well. Again, so uh, Michael and I met uh, several years ago uh, through Stuart Gordon, actually. Uh, so I had met Stuart through the New Beverly. How did you meet Stuart? Uh, Stuart and I were introduced uh, via Lottie Ferris Knowles, who had oh, okay. directed a movie. Uh, well, she wrote a movie that her husband directed. They, they're a husband-wife uh, filmmaking duo called Chastity Bites. And Chastity Bites takes on the idea of... Uh, you have to have sex to survive as opposed to the, the, the other like, chastity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, a Liz Bathory comes to small town America. It's amazing. It's a great, it sounds film. great. But Stuart plays the high school principal in it. Oh. And, um, she, and he had kept in touch. And when he was in the process of, of working on this project that united Julia and I, she had, uh, was like, Oh, you should talk to Michael. And we connected and that's how you and I met. And so in uh, honor of Mr. Gordon, because he's incredible, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, From Beyond, which is uh, one of his uh, most insane films. I know. And I just want to say, I, I didn't know this when we planned this out, but this week of our recording, uh, Stuart's birthday was this week. Oh, happy Aww. birthday, Stuart Gordon. He's uh, he's what a uh, he's so funny because you see his movies and you're like wow what kind of person makes a movie like that like just he must be so twisted and crazy and it's then you the meet him and he's too. just the mm-hmm. nicest oh, and and his theater as well mm-hmm. and um you know doing the stuff that he's done recently in L A he did you know, Reanimator and Nevermore and Sirens of Titan and, and a ton of crazy stuff back in the day that yeah. just like. Yeah, basically and, got people arrested. Yeah. <laughs> it did. But he's so just kind of straightforward and down to earth and like cruising on forward. And it's just something that he loves it so much and, you know, loves Lovecraft more than anything in the world and kind of wants to bring Lovecraft to a new generation, which Wes, I think our, is our producers so, nodding. He does so a lot cool of Lovecraft stuff, too. Do you? He loves it. Do, oh, yeah. Do Call of Cthulhu we do stuff? Call of Cthulhu game. That's our other podcast that I oh. do with Wes. We actually do a lot of Call of Cthulhu role play gaming. So we are in this world as well. You're familiar with familiar with the loving crafting creatures that will set your mind that make you crazy mm-hmm. yeah and with, with one mm-hmm. glance yeah um so terry uh this is i had seen from beyond before michael you have as well yeah terry, this I, is this my first time tell us like it. most of the movies on this podcast <laughs> um it's wild and crazy and i enjoyed it i enjoyed every moment of it well, almost every moment there's a couple things i was like we're I was going to be sick because yeah, this is kind it, of intense. It does get a little, yeah. a little, a little gross. Um, but this is, a, I, I had read that um, some of the resonator sounds from this movie are used in Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. Is oh, that I true? read that too. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I then listened to Intergalactic and mm-hmm. really, really listened for it. And I, I couldn't hear it, but it's a great song in any case. 
And if it it's, can, I'm sure it's one of the layers because that song's got a lot of like sonic sure uh, levels to it. But how cool is it? Like that's something like as as a filmmaker, you never think about like, oh, I'm going to make from beyond. And then years later, it's going to be part of a Beastie Boys song. And like, how yeah, does that all it. come together? Uh, totally crazy. So this was filmed in Italy uh, the same time that they were doing Dolls as well. So he was working two films kind of back to back. And this is the castle that Charles Band owns. Is this correct? Uh, well, I do know that From Beyond and Dolls were shot on a soundstage in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, essentially... It's my understanding that the soundstage was owned by Dino De Laurentiis. Okay. But Dino didn't pay his taxes, and uh, they foreclosed on it, and the bands swooped in and uh, picked up the studio space for Empire Pictures. And um, they were shooting dolls and From Beyond concurrently there. Uh, and the castle, I think, that um, Charles Band and Albert Band bought was in like Romania or Bulgaria or something. So they oh, had okay. like quite a um, <clears throat> run of different Italian uh, or not Italian, European property seizures. The, it's such a, I mean, and have, have you worked with, with them with uh, Empire at all? I have not. Uh, it was interesting. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day. I, I feel like I have done uh, indie horror bingo where I've worked with a lot of different companies in different ways, but uh full moon slash empire has always been one that um, eluded me. I, you did, did stuff with Troma before, though. Am I right in that? Yes, yes. My my beginnings at Troma. That's how I know Tiffany as oh, well. Okay. Yeah, Tiffany and I are, uh, are old school pals because of uh, well, the, the what, toxic I, trenches. I, I, yeah, I don't have a I don't have a concept of what Troma is like in reality. Like I see their films and I think those look insane, but I can't. How what is it like behind the scenes there? Um, I always say it's it's DIY punk rock filmmaking. Uh, but what's really cool about it, and I've always kind of given hats off to Lloyd and Michael and mm-hmm. Pat and everybody behind the scenes there, is that uh, it's sort of its own rock and roll film school. You learn how to make movies while you're on the set of those movies, and you learn about things that maybe wasn't uh, weren't what was not even in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And, he, and jo- Lloyd will even jokingly say, "You'll also learn things on those movies on what not to do making a movie." Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I, I was not quite as firmly entrenched as, as Tiffany was because Tiffany was involved in a lot of different projects. But um, I had had uh, sort of peripherally been involved in things, and uh, you know, championed a few of their films and. Lloyd put me in a couple of the movies. He blew me up in a car once. All uh, right. And, um, That's like a bucket list thing, right? Get blown up by Lloyd Kaufman. Well, so in, uh, I believe it's yes. Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. They uh-huh. had purchased this footage of a car hitting like a bank and then like flipping through the air and exploding. Okay. And Lloyd was like, I love it. Let's put it in every trauma movie. So like any movie that they they did in-house, there's always some sequence where the car gets blown up. And it doesn't matter like what the car is driving, sure. but then like when something happens, then this car explodes. So it then became kind of like the badge of honor, like the legacy of people in the car. Yeah. And so it's like James Gunn's been in that car and Mark Neveltine, who direct, directed Ghost uh, Rider and, and Crank. And I'm, uh, I'm in the car in one of the Newcomb High movies. So like, even though like my career is nowhere near those guys, I, feel, I was just like, well, at <laughs> least we, we were, were like alumni of the car. Yes. So. No, you're on the way though. Like you are <laughs> like to me, like, I mean, you're, you are like, well, plus, like your work with Peaches Christ. Like, I mean, like, I don't know. I just, can we talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah. I mean, sure. I tell, tell us how tell us. Like, I want to know everything because I think Peaches is a genius. So 
Uh, Tell me how that happened or how you guys, how you, yes. Peaches is a very dear friend of mine. We've known each other for a really long time. Um, We had met, uh, at one point I had attempted to put together a book about the history of late night horror hosts. Oh, wow. That would be incredible. Yes. It also is incredibly complex and very uh, difficult project and endeavor. And I think I bit off more than I could chew. Okay. And I had done a lot of interviews that I ended up repurposing for other things later. And it was a great way to connect with people. And and like of all of the projects that uh, never happened, I have regret that that didn't happen, but it also connected me to some really cool people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was going on at the time was... uh, I was was trying to find out, like, what's the logical next step in this world of late night horror hosts? Because, you know, in, in uh, TV history of yesteryear, all of the syndicated and regionalized television, every network and affiliate had somebody. Had their own. And then when we get things like Elvira or Rhonda Shear and Joe Bob Briggs, then there's something more on the national platform. Uh, but what's next? What takes us past that? And mm-hmm. I started looking around, and I had found a website of this this creature in San Francisco, Peaches Christ, mm-hmm. and she was hosting these late night uh, screenings that were basically taking movies and giving them the Rocky Horror treatment. And people like John Waters and Mink Stoll and Elvira were going to see their own movies be hosted by this drag queen mm-hmm. wow. cult leader. Yeah. yeah, and I was fascinated, and so I like. Uh, shot her an email because it was back in the days where it was just like her email was on the webpage and I was like I love what you're doing I think it's super cool I would love to interview you for this book and she was like great and uh, we had scheduled like a 20 minute phone call and we talked on the phone for something like three hours because we realized oh my god like this is a kindred spirit oh it's great and we kept in touch Uh, Peaches made a movie uh, in 2009 called All, All About Evil that was released in 2010, but it was the making of the movie was made in 2009. And during the process of that, she had uh, decided to take what she did in San Francisco and put it on the road, do mm-hmm. like a rolling road show where each city there would be a pre-show and she mm-hmm. would get people from the cast involved, but right. also local drag queens, Rocky Horror casts from different mm-hmm. cities. And uh, she was like, you should come with me and write the travel log like so we can always have this memorialized. And I was like, great. And so... I went on the road with her and we went to a ton of different cities across America. I would write like pieces for the webpage that then spun into like my own like opinion column on peacheschrist.com. But it was very like grassroots like uh, and there would be cities where I would just observe and write what was going on. And then other cities that would be like, all right, well, we don't have uh, enough people. So you're going to be the Frankenstein monster in the show. So it was just like, it was great. And we continue to work together. Um, Was it the same movie over and over and over? Or was it, it was, it was all about evil. So it was, it was the the tour de fierce. Um, (laughs) And that was the, uh, that was the thing. Perfect Um, title. And I've, I've participated in different things with her uh, since uh, in, uh, 2011? No. I'm trying to remember when this happened. Well, for the 25th anniversary of Vegas in Space, we did we hosted the 25th anniversary at Frameline, and Peaches and I co-produced that. We both were in the show, uh, and we also reunited all of the living cast members and did like a big to-do there. We showed that at movie night at some point, Vegas in Space. I don't I've remember. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a wacky uh, underground film that was made in San Francisco all about drag queens uh, on an outer space adventure. Yeah. Where were you for that one, man? <laughs> Maybe I came late. No, because I feel like I have flashes of that. I might yeah. have done too many drugs that night, too. Oh, okay. It's well, always that possible. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, yeah, so I, I've been very... Uh, 
tight with Peaches for a long time. We write together. Uh, we've been planning on making a movie together for a while. What that movie is has changed over the years just based on time. Uh, but she uh, she is a very dear friend. Uh, we, we talk constantly. We're always scheming things. <laughs> um, it's great, too, because uh, of Peaches, my... I'm very grateful because, you know, you started this conversation talking about the TV movies and the Christmas movies. So I do that. But mm-hmm. I also do horror movies. But mm-hmm. I also have this connection to the drag community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of those things are still alive and still running concurrent. And in a city where people always want you to be just one thing, mm-hmm. I get to be many things. Yes. Yeah. And it's, like, very awesome. And, like, drag... Drag now has a different sort of awareness culturally because of RuPaul. drag race yeah. and things. But there was a time where... It was still very underground. Mm -hmm. And the idea that, like, you would go to these places and it would be like some dingy bar in the middle of the country. And uh, it was just a group of people looking for their people. Yeah. And now, you know, they're at the L.A. Convention Center. They have DragCon where like 100,000 people come, mostly moms and their daughters. But if you had told us that back in the day when you're like standing in uh, Milwaukee seeing Trixie Mattel. Uh, yeah, because we worked we worked with Trixie when she was nineteen before she ended on oh my gosh. being on the show. So it's like it it's wild to just see that change. A little young Trixie, but um, we would go. Uh, I I always you know when I traveled, the first thing that I would would do and still do is look up who the local queens are mm-hmm. because if I'm traveling to a film festival or something by myself and I don't know anybody because of the power of that community and the connections of that community. It was always real easy for me to just be like, hey, I know Pandora or Peaches or the mm-hmm. Boulay Brothers. And they'd be like, family, come on in. Mm-hmm. And then like you get to meet new friends. And it's always like you have that network wherever you go. And uh, I, I love I love the queens for that. Um, have you ever done drag? I have never done drag. But uh, Peaches did give me a drag name. Okay. Because, is... because when you work with Peaches Christ, you have to have a drag name on the crew. And we were in New York City screening All About Evil uh, at the Sunshine Cinema, now sadly gone. And uh, she all throughout the tour was like, what's your drag name? And I was like, I don't know. And uh, there was a diner uh, in Soho that we stopped at. And it was a late night diner. And they had on the menu uh, in really terrible font and like this like crazy explosion art. It said waffles extravaganza. And yes. I lost my mind. I was <laughs> cracking up because it was dumb. Yeah. And um, I laughed so hard. And Peaches Christ was like, well, that's you. Your <laughs> waffles extravaganza. <laughs> and so for uh, the rest of uh, time, I mean, I still, when I'm in San Francisco, uh, it's been years. Like I will walk into like bookstores and people will be like waffles. And I'm just like, <laughs> she doesn't like, but she exists ab- abstractly. I've never like actually manifested oh. her, but she like, and I so would... like, but to this point, I kind of like that she exists. Like, is this nebulous She's a creation dream girl? Um, she could be anything you imagine, mm-hmm. but I did just finish, uh, and peaches was a guest judge. So peaches and I just recently reunited again. Um, the third season of Dragula, the Boulay Brothers show, which brings together uh, horror and uh, drag. And it's a kind of like an alt drag competition. Yes. Um, I worked on this season of Dragula and every episode of Dragula opens with a mini horror movie that features the Boulay Brothers and like in some sort of horror movie scenario. Uh-huh. And I wrote and directed all of all of them for oh, this wow. season. That's amazing. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm also a guest judge on episode four. Uh with Darren Stein, creator of Jawbreakers, and uh, Peaches is also a guest judge this season. So it's sort of like cool that like that world just kind of came back. Yeah. You know? How hard is it to judge that kind of competition though? You see everybody who's coming up given like a hundred ten percent. 
how do you choose something like that? Well, I, as a judge, and I can't, how do I say this without doing spoilers? Um, my particular episode features a challenge that was very specific to something that uh, I could judge. I did not judge them based on their drag. Okay. Because drag is uh, it's subjective. And everyone's art is different. Yes. And that is not my place totally. as, not a, I, as someone who does not do drag to sit and be like, your contouring is bad. It's not, that wasn't for me. <laughs> now, the boulets can say whatever they want because mm-hmm. they're also, they're legendary queens. Yes. But for me, I had to judge them based on something specific they were asked to do that I could be like, this is. Okay. Good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so let's talk about. From Beyond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We keep going on side adventures. I know, but, no, but no, I love it. That's why it. you're here. We're talking about From Beyond, but we're also talking about you, but we're also talking about us and drags and everybody's all together. And Christmas. Uh, There's something kind of draggy about From Beyond, and I can get into that. It slightly, is but... full on draggy. Yeah. And yeah. The, like, I get all of your world. Like, after watching this, I was like, I get why you chose this because each each of our guests, we've had them choose their films that they want us to talk about. And uh, I'm like, the whole time being like, why do we need this? I was like, mm-hmm. formative years. So I want to hear more about these. Well, like, what's interesting is influence. I, I did actually choose this movie based on uh, the Stuart Gordon connection that Julia and I share. Because mm-hmm. when she said, is there a movie that you think we should watch? I went through the catalog of movies that you all have done on the mm-hmm. show. And I thought, okay, well, why don't we do a Stuart Gordon movie? Because it's sort of like a fun like coming back together celebration. Mm, yeah. But then revisiting it for this episode, I had kind of like this, oh yeah. The otherness in this movie is like other. Like yeah. huge. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I get this. Like if we're talking about like queer horror and point of view, it is on the charts. Yeah. Yes. He's not afraid to go there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're like, wow, there's and you can imagine because you know this is came out in 1986. So it's like, you know, just after Reanimator, everything's big. You have this video store culture where you have people coming in to rent, you know, and I just when I picture when I see this movie, I just picture like the 12 year old boy in Kansas who watches this and gets his mind blown. blown. Because like <laughs> as watching it as a as a you know grown woman in LA, you're just like, whoa, whoa. And you know, it's just such an incredible escape from reality. Well, I think what's cool, especially when you take Reanimator into account, is following Reanimator with this. Yes. Is the idea that they're both great companion pieces, but From Beyond is also sort of an amazing antithesis of Reanimator for a lot of different reasons. Even the color palettes are like totally opposite yeah, ends mm-hmm. of the, the color wheel because, you know, Reanimator is all about green. The, the and this green, is very yeah. pink. Pink. And uh, I think that it's just so interesting, too. I like that you you mentioned, like, the 12-year-old boys running this at the video store because I think there's some, like, hard lessons for 12-year-old boys who uh, rented movies during this era just to see, like, boobs and yeah. stuff. Because it's sort of like, oh, well, P.S., oh, this... you're kind of the monster here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Completely. This is – you can attend – you know, because you have – Herbert West in the animator, who is a hero, even though he's an anti-hero and kind of a monster. But this is okay. You have Jeffrey Combs in this totally different role. Where now he's seeing what obsession does to you and how mm-hmm. horrible it is, and how this. You know, Terry and I talk a lot about. Um, there's always these scientists in these horror movies who have this like Nobel Prize like carrot dangling at the end of their stick, and there's like they want to discover the see. thing for the first time and be the one to gr- be groundbreaking, but they're they lose their minds. But I think this one's interesting because you have Pretorius who's got that same obsessive quality, but it's not about a prize. It's about his own pleasure. It's about his own 
uh, an expansion and expression. And so it's just a different He wants take. more senses. He wants all the senses beyond the five senses. He wants, yeah. Well, and I think the true mad scientist of this movie is Barbara Crampton's character. Yes. yes. Yeah, because she... Uh, she literally takes on the Herbert West mantle yeah, she does. of knowing that you shouldn't, but I have to. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, she gets the gleam in her eye. I wrote that too in my notes. Yeah. I was like, oh no, she got the gleam in her eye now. It's like, it's, <laughs> she's done for as soon as I saw her, the switch. I was like, oh no. Yeah. She yeah. just, the, you have that scientist brain where you go, okay, well this is, and it, but it's always this, it's not about me. It's about mankind. And like, we have to keep going for mankind and we have to do every, every experiment twice because like, that's the way you, that's do how it. you do science. So we just have to keep doing this again and again, even though it's terrible. And people are turning into monsters. Mm-hmm. Creature effects, by the way, in this. Excellent. I can't imagine having to be fitted in a whole suit. I can't explain what Edward's head is in, in like near the that end of this movie. Thing? Like a big blobby pink thing that his face is coming out of. Like, what is he? How is he? Is he like How he's flat? like going through like that birth canal looking thing? Like, what is he even or- like as the actor? Like, how is his body in that thing? I can't. Pre- right. Like, it's so incredible. Well, they had, I think, four different. Uh, effects teams working on this movie. Four. Yeah, I, I I could be wrong, but I do know like at the end of the film, they do list like a lot of like different sub teams of like who worked on different w- things. Oh, okay. But you can definitely see um, uh, a name that jumped out to me in the credits was John Beekler, uh because he was it during this time. Like he was one of the um, the quintessential effects guys. He did you know Friday Seven, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of different stuff for Empire. Uh, Super into making things gross. And yeah. boy, did he. Yeah. Did a good job on this one. Because that's, that's what you need, lurk right? Lurk a blurk. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of like, oh, oh, like that. That's the, the snake thing coming from the guy's head. Oh, the pineal gland that the like pineal comes gland out. The that, pineal that, that moves. Uh, I want to know how they controlled that. I'm very oh, yeah. curious. Yeah, like because it has its own, its, its own motions. And yeah, I don't know. Um, did they do like a little like remote control or something? I don't know. There's just someone back there like, okay, it's got to hang it right. Hang it right. Okay. <laughs> I would love to see behind the scenes photos of this movie. I, we should try and see if we can find what, how that is all configured. Absolutely. And also to take this, you know, you have something like you, this iconic image of Barbara Crampton in this S&M gear and you're like, damn, this movie is fucking sexy. It was fuck. But then you get into it and it becomes so disgusting that like sex can become this thing that overcomes you and it's not even about pleasure anymore and like it just be i don't know for me like it's this weird blend because you have this sexiness that's also with this grossness and how do they meet in the middle i think that that's something that kind of stewart's very good at kind of because you have something like reanimator we have the end scene with her on the table and the right. whole bit and you're like oh it's sexy but i can't really feel sexy right now because well, it's interesting, too, especially in genre films. But I think generally, I, this comes up a lot when we talk about showgirls, because it, it gets mentioned on my show uh, every so often. <laughs> the idea that sometimes movies that are uh, are about sex are usually not sexy. Yes. And like during the era of, of this, like you brought up the rental store era, it was sort of a prerequisite. We're going to have sex appeal and right. boobs and the blah, 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 blah. Because cable wasn't a, a big, a biggest thing. Big yeah. Thing so yeah. like, what are we going to get? to get people to rent this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think people like Stuart sort of understood like, yeah, we can provide that. But here's the monkey's paw wish. Yes. We gave you the sex and the boobs, but do you want it now? Yeah. Because. Mm. 
it's yeah. questionable by the end. Yeah. I, yeah. I love, and I love how far Barbara is willing to go for him, for yeah. Stuart. She's just like, okay, let's just do it. Like whatever. And like, there's so much stuff in that movie. I'm like, I can't believe she's like, she's okay with doing that. And she just, well, I can do it with gusto. It's so great. Allegedly, she sold her dominatrix outfit at a yard sale. Oh. What? No. I mean, I, I appreciate both of these reactions, <laughs> but part of it is like, I'm just trying to imagine just going to a yard sale and be like, <laughs> oh, what? Are, yeah, hey, what? Like, my parents we'll sold my Nintendo. It. So, like, this is like a step in a but different direction. Who wants to buy a used dominatrix outfit at a yard sale, though? Like, well, you know what? I mean, after all my new. time in San Francisco, I got to tell you. I was like, there are people it. who yeah, will yeah. buy the old leather for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and some people, that's a whole niche in itself. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah. Wanting soiled items. Anywho. <laughs> oh, soiled. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Oh, can we talk about how incredible Jeffrey Combs is in this movie? Yeah, this is a great performance for sure. I think, you know, he gets all of the love for the reanimator and that performance is, of course, great. But this is kind of great to see him in an ensemble and kind of working together with other people. Uh, but also at the end, turning into a crazy kind of alien and then going with that as well. And like you buy him as both this kind of mild mannered guy who doesn't know what's happening, but also as an insane monster. Mm -hmm. Well, especially following Herbert West. I feel like for me, what I love about this particular Jeffrey Combs performance is, and when you hold it up against a lot of his other performances in, in his career is we rarely get to see him play a victim. Mm hmm. And so he brings a vulnerability to this. Yeah, I mean, he becomes a monster later, mm -hmm. but he he brings a vulnerability to this where he is very much, no, I don't want to do this. He's afraid. Mm -hmm. And I, I love I love the power dynamics in this movie because it's so much Barbara's wheelhouse. Like, yeah, she yeah. runs this shit. Like, yeah. She runs this whole thing. Yeah, you get yeah. Ken Foray, and yet you're like, Barbara Crampton's in charge, for sure. Yeah. yeah. She's um, telling everybody, like, the guy from the, the police guy, the DA, she's like, no, 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 I'm going to do these things. He's like, okay, All right. sure. Sounds good. Sounds legit, lady. I was <laughs> like, you would not get that okayed by any type of, right. like, police force or officer or any type of any, no. You do in this world. But yes, I was like, she said it. You got to do it. Like, but, but you have Ken Foray who's mm -hmm. there to be there if you, even though he doesn't, he doesn't help a lot. But I, you know, I feel like I wish Ken Foray had a bigger kind of like, I know he's in iconic stuff and Dawn of the Dead and the whole bit, but like, he's so great in this one. He's kind of, you don't get to see him play like cheerful very much. Yeah, like I feel no. he's quite, he's quite like a cheery character. And you're like, mm -hmm. it's nice to see him kind of smile and goof around and like wear orange underwear. And like, I was into that bit. You yeah, know? let's talk about that let's like please. i want to know like the wardrobe department they were like boy do we have the underwear for you <laughs> <laughs> because he spends most of the last you yeah. know 20 minutes of the movie yeah just briefed out but this is the way i see it is like you got something for the ladies and you got something for the gentlemen like everybody's happy right you have ken fry in underwear mm -hmm. you have barbara crampton in underwear you have shirtless jeff Jeffrey combs if that's your thing as well right. so like everyone's happy um, and Ken, you know, and Ken Foray, I feel, I feel like he, I wish he had uh, like a big battle. I wish he had like a bigger battle at the end. Yeah. Like he's got like his sad, like it was kind of a sad. Are they, ending. are they bees? Mm -hmm. Were they bugs that ate him? I wasn't clear. I was wondering about that too. Some sort of or like carnivorous Well, there's something from the resonator anyway, right? So there, yeah. Space and we have the, the eel. Space bees. Right. I like it. Space bees. The eels, the jellyfish. Yeah. yeah. 
that are just floating around us. And no, I have to admit, I haven't read the story that this is based on. It's seven pages long. Okay. So I think some liberties were taken. Okay. Just, yeah, <laughs> so maybe yeah. like bright pink eels floating around our heads all the time. Maybe not in the Lovecraft story. No, that actually feels like the most. No, Lovecraft feels the most Lovecraftian out of everything because it's always some yeah. weird, creepy thing like that. Wes likes to create lots of characters like that. Thank you, Wes. Always scaring me um, with terrible, creepy, crawly, wiggly things. And that's right on. So what are some what do you think are the, the, the horror movie survival tips we can take from from beyond? Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like I would say, like, choose who you work for better. You know, like yeah. he, he works for this guy. He knows he's insane. And he, no, talks, but, he re- but he also respects him, even though he knows he's crazy. But there's he's also whole... got that little tinge of like wanting to be a part of something bigger than himself. So you need to be careful about someone's big picture goals. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you join an organization, you're like, we're going to change the world. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, uh, you're working for the stuff or something like that. Do you know what I mean? They're like, that could happen. I think sometimes it's okay to ignore the scientific method. Okay. That's my horror movie survival guide. You don't have to do that experiment twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You saw it once and we're good. Someone lost a head in one of them. You don't need to do it again. I think sometimes when creepy otherworldly shit's going on, you don't have to be like, but wait, we must follow the rules. (laughs) Or. (laughs) (laughs) I guess in this case, though, it's like it stimulated you in a way you've never been stimulated before. And it's like your whole body's on fire. And like, but but. She feels that. The guy wants like, more. You could go rock climbing, too. Like, That's I mean, true. Like, yeah. There are other ways. To, yes, there are and other I ways just, to get that. You know, I <laughs> Thank just feel you. bad for, for, for Crawford having to listen. He talks about listening to the girls screaming and like he lays in bed listening to these girls screaming. And like, uh, that's probably not who you want to emulate, you know, someone like that. There's right. something about that, though, I think that was interesting because I feel like he really even though he hates it, like quote unquote hates it, I think he's also drawn to it and fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. And I think because he's a curious person and a scientific person, I think he also wants to understand that too. And I think by crossing over and actually joining him kind of in this way, Mm -hmm. he has an opportunity to see it from the other side. And even though he's would like to turn back now, he's in too far. Right. Do you know what I mean though? So it's like, what does your curiosity get you? And I think that's part of the other thing that had me thinking in this film a lot about like what, how far does curiosity go? Right. But, and also how far, I mean, how much does it have to do with, cause they mention at the end that, uh, Pretorius is impotent. Like mm-hmm. how much of it is that behind it? Right. We assume he's been beating these women because he can't have sex with them. And then it goes into this other thing. And like, had he been able to have sex, would he have been, a different science, like an incel conversation now. You know? Well, what like, I th- honestly, what I think is interesting about it is like I think if you were doing a surface level look at this movie, mm-hmm. it could feel like very kink shamey. But I, on- I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. I think what is actually happening is it's exposing that regardless of like what the fetish or the interests were. Even if you look at the voyeurism of, of uh, Crawford's character, right. as opposed to like you know the S and M uh, of Pretorius's, it's more about exposing how people use sex as power structures. Mm. And so in that way, I don't really think any BDSM stuff that Pretorius is engaging in has really any bearing on his cruelty. He uses sex as, as power, and that's what makes him evil. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with, mm-hmm. with, the, with the other. And that's what I think is fascinating mm-hmm. because it's sort of like way more woke than I think I expected it to be. <laughs> that's what I thought when I watched it too. I was like, okay, okay. But then she's into it and like it's okay that she's into it. 
it's it. totally like, fine yeah. that she's into it. And it's kind of cool that she's into it. And she's like, well, I've been awakened now. And she's got this whole nother life that she didn't know she could have as well. And, right. Um, can we ask why the eels uh, release her? They bite her manacles off. Because she moves. It's like, they're like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, right? So, like, when they see the movement, they attack. Okay. And that's why she's like, once once her hands are free, she's like, I'm just going to be real quiet and move over. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I thought that right away, too. I just was in Jurassic Park, the musical in Edinburgh. And yes, that Were is. Were you a velociraptor? I was a raptor. Did you get to sing as a raptor? I did. I got to rap <gasps> as a raptor. Oh, oh rap. The raptors the, rap. The greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with 30-minute musicals. Shout I, out to those guys. I've never heard you rap, Terry. Oh, come to karaoke more often. I rap all the freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I mention... Uh, Barbara Crampton's crazy laugh at the end of this movie, which is one of her my twang broken yes, lady laugh, her twang laugh, where she's so she's screaming and laughing and happy and crazy all at once. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of movies try to end with this laugh and almost nobody nails it. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow, she's bonkers. Brain is gone. Shout out to Barbara Crampton for like the perfect broken. And I movies that end with the main character broken delight me. I mean, I tend to like walk a thin line that if like your end result is hysteria, it does kind of like bother me. But I think it really works here. Yes. Because it is that madness of Lovecraft. She got all the levels, though, like you said, though, because I mean, I had the it ate him, cackle, cry, end. I was like, what? I was floored. She is great. Like, I've just flown out of a window. I just saw everything I saw. My my knee is sticking out of my Mm -hmm. leg. There's all these people surrounding me who aren't helping me. This thing is on fire. I've just learned about this other dimension. Yeah, that's all. All that's in a that lot laugh. of information. All in that mm-hmm. laugh. Do we think that the dog? Yes. Oh. You know what I'm going to ask? Yeah. Yes, but yes, yeah. I do. Do we think that the dog is a host to one of these things? Now? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Because he was up there licking the, the the stump of the of the body at the towards the beginning, and then when he walks over, like Bunny's really calm too calm oh. watching like the lady they, the character named bunny who's or her actually her name is real name is bunny holding a dog whose character name is bunny yes right all the meta bunny moment mm-hmm. um yeah that little dog bunny i think from beyond too you yeah. start out oh, with bunny sure. and it just yeah. goes from there for sure i totally had the same thought yeah, i was thinking about it also the the actress bunny mm-hmm. not the dog mm-hmm. uh literal best wardrobe in the film oh. like can you just imagine showing up to set and they're like we're gonna put you like in a caftan Mm-hmm. Yeah. End of story. Now, did she sell that caftan later at a yard sale? Is no, the question. That caftan, interestingly enough, is in the Smithsonian. Oh. <laughs> I was like, do tell. I was, I was like a caftan story. <laughs> tell me more. I have a friend who does a caftan and casserole um, brunch once oh. in a while. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've never I've, had a caftan, but that sounds delightful. Just wear it. You just wear a caftan. You've never owned a caftan? No. I think well. I bought a Moomoo when I was in Hawaii when I was like 10. Does that Now count? I know what to get you for Christmas. It's definitely a caftan coming your way. A Wendy caftan will... for Christmas. A caftan for Christmas? <gasps> That's the next one. <laughs> See, these write themselves. I tell you all day, all the time. Um, yeah, so what it is is she's like a, a, a real mean person from the city and she works as a publicist. But she needs I, to but whole, calm down. She has to go to Connecticut where the last caftan factory is about to shut her for the exactly, holidays. Exactly, but and we've got to like, save the caftan yes. factory. And they put on a fashion show so you can have all the caftans to help yes raise some money and it's also a charity event slash fashion show featuring supporting performances from like carolyn ray and uh uh, 
Absolutely. Jack Hay. Yep. Jack oh, Hay, Jack totally. Hay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Jack Hay is, oh, she would come and be like, girl, <laughs> girl, girl. Mary. Oh, Mary. Mary. <laughs> oh, that's good. I practice. Um, so can we do, uh, we're going to do some gore, gore factor and movie ratings for From Beyond. And yes. you get to participate in what you you would like to vote for this. Okay. So gore factor. One, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, a bathtub of blood. Five, run for the barf bag. Um, I would say, is it three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer? Yes. Yes, that would be my pick. Because I don't actually think this is a blood flood movie. It's more like it's gross so... body horror. Yeah. yeah, I think it's 3.5, I would say, because it's like she bites that. Peniel stock and also there's face. that little bit of blood coming underneath like the door before she's like about to get electroshock therapy at moment. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Those like, okay. that little bucket where he's eating like a brain as oh, well. Yeah. Heart, 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 brain. brain. Look like his brain. Yeah, because yeah. he wants brains. Gross. Now, if the question was about like weird brain heart slimy stuff, yeah, because that's yeah, the yeah. thing that's confusing. Like Cronenberg to me, like feels so much more gory than he is just because it's just body horror stuff. Yeah, I would say three point five would mm-hmm. work. Okay. And then we have for movie ratings, zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastagorical. Um, I'm giving From Beyond a 4.5. Not too shabby and a little bit more. It is a great film. Yeah, I would go 4.5. I think this is pinnacle, Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Stuart is, has secured his place as a master of horror hell yeah he has and it's not just for reanimator it's for things like this yeah and i i honestly speaking of the wokeness and stuart's love of hp lovecraft i think there's a smart tongue-in-cheek presentation here that stuart doesn't get enough credit for because lovecraft as much as we kind of revere him as an author of gothic literature was a person was a horrible person (laughs) a racist was a racist he was a square like i mean he was like not cool really in any capacity and like he he was elitist yes an elitist Mm -hmm. monster Mm -hmm. so here's stuart taking this seven page story that's sort of like a loose outline and he's like you know what we've got a woman in the lead who's put running the show like you know we've got uh Ken Foray basically being the, the muscle in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like all of these things that I think Lovecraft would have been just like. At, and, and he the, would not I, have been okay yeah. with. And then the idea of a man who tries to use power, uh, sexual power to to hold over on women being the actual monster. That's like yeah. the, the bop on the nose mm-hmm. of all of it. It's like. I think it's great. He like literally turned Lovecraft against him using his own story. And yeah. I, that's awesome. That's brilliant. And watching with 2019 eyes, I was like, what? <laughs> from when? I honestly thought a lot of that too. So, so kudos to Stewart on this. I know you talk- I also give 4.5. Oh, 4.5. Mm-hmm. Good. 4.5s across that's the board. Um, so you talked about a little bit December, December. You talked about um, the movie you have coming out 2020 yes. we know about death dead for filth is there anything else that our listeners should be looking for with you uh yeah well dragula drops on amazon prime <gasps> yes. on august 27th uh, so that's a big thing uh and it is a prime exclusive so for like every week uh starting the 27th i think is every tuesday there will be a new episode oh, past halloween <gasps> uh so that's cool uh, are you having viewing parties um i i'm hoping to find a place here in the city that's doing them yeah uh and it's like a really really cool season like i said i can't give away a lot but we do have like some really cool guest judges including henry rollins oh, uh 
amazing. Danielle Harris, Rachel True, Felissa Rose, yes. myself, Darren Stein, uh, Bonnie Aarons, who's the nun, Millie Shapiro from Hereditary, oh uh, Peaches, and some surprises that I can't quite reveal yet. Uh, and then, um, oh, I wrote and directed a short that I made uh, called uh, The Office is Mine. Yes, it is a- and it just won... An audience award at yeah. Midsummer Scream, yes. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and it is rolling out at festivals right now. Um, it is a story about workplace horror. It's, a, it's about a guy who uh, is the only gay in the office, and when they hire a new one, he can't handle it because he feels <laughs> that his... Um, He's threatened by th- yeah. that. Oh, my God, I love it. Because I'm interested in idea, uh, in uh, social commentary and horror, and especially like you know within the queer community, there are things that when we see gay movies, they always tend to hit the same notes. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, what about how we treat each other yeah. and the things that we don't normally talk about? Oh, please. And so I was like... Go really, in, go and, in. Yeah, I was interested in this territorialism. So uh, that kind of came from that and an idea that was brought to me by uh, Ben Bauer, who's an actor that I work with, and he's also in it. And that's playing at a bunch of festivals. Uh, we're, we're making our way across the country and the world. It's playing in Pittsburgh and New Orleans and Atlanta and Cambridge uh, and, and many more to come. So that's happening. Uh, and I did that movie with my production partner, Brandon Kirby. We, uh, we run a company called June Gloom. And June Gloom Productions is all about the creation of queer horror and queer social commentary uh, films. So uh, And it's not just movies that I write and direct. We've done stuff of Brandon's. We're producing some uh, things for other people. Uh, Recently, we did a, a movie called Is This a Date that Brandon wrote and directed that is all about... Uh, I love the freaking title. <laughs> it's in the... Well, in the gay community, it's like you don't know no, if you're you on a date. Know. Yeah, you yeah. never know. Are we just hanging out? Or, or is are we this a date? Up, yeah. Or is this a date? I, I can't tell. And I think that's coming out in September on uh, Deku, a streaming platform. And then this weekend, and I think this is the first time I've ever talked about this on the air, so oh. I can I can bring it up. This weekend, uh, we are doing a Halloween exclusive. So what it was is Deku reached out to us and uh, we had been going back and forth and they are going to do a block of October programming. Nice. And they asked uh, if we had any ideas for a horror short. And I came up with a story called A Halloween Trick uh, that is a a take on eight, uh, 80s slashers, but like kind of updated for this world. Yeah. Uh, and because we're doing it quickly, uh, so it will be ready to screen in October. Um it's kind of a family affair. Tiffany Shepis is back. Yeah. Uh, ben Bauer from The Office is Mine. Uh, and I've got a couple other people from horror coming to play. And it's uh, it's a little dark humor that ends with a lot of murder. And yeah. that's uh, that's how we do. So I think that's it. We're, we're literally shooting that uh, a week from today. Um, in terms of other projects... Uh, I just had The Wrong Stepmother come out on Lifetime Movie Network, which was a thriller that I wrote that uh, was produced by Vivica Fox. Um, <gasps> Man, I'm ho- amazing. hoping to work with her again. We're talking about it. And uh, I do have another thriller coming out in November on LMN, but I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. So, uh, You're amazing. I Can just, I just say that? Are we haven't How did that you yet? find time to come and hang out with us? <laughs> like, honestly, prolific. Good, and, goodness. And I just, you know, you're just a nice guy. And that's what's so great about it is that, you know, there's 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 watch when you watch your friends succeed and you go, yes, you deserve 100 percent all of that and oh. more. And you do. Thank you. And I wish you nothing but success and happiness. And I love that you want to talk to us about fucked up, crazy sex monsters and shit. Yeah. I mean, that's every Sunday conversation that I want to have. <laughs> Uh, pretty much like that's yeah. brunch yeah this is i mean honestly no i mean i really i appreciate that i this is what i love to do and what i i live for and uh yeah it's just so exciting and i'm glad that i got a chance to come play yay thank you so much thank, thank you, you. 
Yay. Join right. us again soon, everybody. Yes, please do. Check out the social <laughs> medias. Follow Dead for Filth and follow Michael, please, because he's amazing. We'll have the links on this episode. And uh, continue to follow us and support us. And thank you, Patreon people, for giving us your monies and your love. Um, we have more for coming for you soon. All right. Yeah. And we love you, Stuart Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> love you, Stuart. <laughs>